From the hallowed hallways of Shed High School, from WSHDLP Eastport, this is Round the World with your host, Cracklin' Jane from Eastport, Maine. Stay tuned for historical 78 RPM recordings from around the world. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and esteemed members of the Academic Committee of Planet Kingsley XO5. I'm Rex. And I'm Ray. We are identical twin anthropologists specializing in the humanoids that inhabit planet Earth. Yes, and we've been tasked with studying the earthly problem of housing inadequacy. That's right, Rex, and we'll be blasting off to Earth to embed ourselves for a first-hand look at how difficult it is for Earthlings to keep a roof over their heads. Yeah, and sometimes downright experience homelessness. So to study up ahead of time, uh, we have these here 78 RPM records in which human beings describe the situation in their own words. Yes, Ray, and we're going to start with a work by an Earth composer, Irene Higginbotham. Here's the Delta Rhythm Boys with Charlie Barney and his 1946 orchestra, No Pad to Be Had. There's no pad, no pad, no pad to be had. I'm really doing bad Cause there's no bad to be had I'm dressed up nice and fancy And loaded down with loot No kicks, no chicks, no parlor tricks Boy, I'm destitute No bad No bad I'm slowly going mad Cause there's no bad to be had I looked in the paper and found myself an ad But the house that they were selling was down in Trinidad I went to a funeral parlor and slept there in a coffin I had to run away because they buried me too often No pad, no pad to be had Man is driving me mad cause there's no pad to be had And sat right down kaplunk I thought that maybe I could sleep In Saratoga's trunk I dropped into a phone booth And fell asleep with ease My style was cramped so much That now I'm walking on my knees No pad No pad to be had And I really got it bad Cause there's no pad to be had there's a prison house, a storehouse, a warehouse, a madhouse. A dog house. Yeah, there's all kinds of houses. There's even a hen house, but I ain't got no house. There's just no pad to be had. 
the bridge down by the river with arches overhead. It's home like there to me, that's where each night I make my bed underneath the arches. I dream my dreams away underneath the arches on cobblestones I Every night you'll find me tired out and more happy when the daylight comes creeping, heralding the dawn, sleeping when it's raining, and sleeping when it's Connie Boswell in 1933, Underneath the Arches, a depiction of homelessness in the depth of the Great Depression. And we started with the Delta Rhythm Boys with Charlie Barney and his orchestra, No Pad to Be Had, from 1946. Thanks, Rex. We are studying housing problems on planet Earth. As our rocket ship wends its way, we're surveying a few 78 RPM records to get a handle on the situation before we embed ourselves in the human Sturm und Drang. Actually, the songs from 1946 are a treasure trove of information about housing problems. Now, why is that, Rex? Well, Ray, it's because 1946 was right after World War II ended, and all the returning military wanted to start families and settle down, and there weren't enough houses. Thus, songs from 1946 really tell the story. Here is Tony Pastor in Virginia Maxie. Who's got a tent for rent? Who's got a tent for rent? 
have a sad plan. Ginny, I've been pounding the pavement, looking for a flat. My spirits are busted, and my feet are flat. Well, how about a trailer? Have you given that a thought? Maybe it's not a bad idea, but it just can't be bought. Cheer up, Tony. The weather's much better now. Say, you're an outdoor gent. Why don't you rent a tent? Who's got a tent for rent? If I could find me a tent for rent. Listen to me and answer my plea. Who's got a tent for rent? A place I can call my own. My very own little home, sweet home. Listen, you guys, I've tears in my eyes. Who's got a tent for rent? I'm getting kind of tired sleeping on a bench in a park. It's so lonely and dark. I'm getting tired of walking up and down every street. Hoping someday that I meet a guy with a tent for rent. Believe me, he would be heaven sent. Listen to me and answer my plea. Who's got a tent? A tent for rent. It's not for Bonin and Bailey. Not even for the rodeo. Could even be a pop tent. Who's got a tent for
We heard Who's Got a Tent for Rent from 1946, featuring Tony Pastor and Virginia Maxey. And this was followed by the 1923 Atlantic Dance Orchestra with their musical description of living in a tent. This is Ray. And I'm Rex. Our spaceship landed safely in some treetops and we hitchhiked into town and and are looking for a place to live while we conduct our anthropological study of housing issues on Earth. Wouldn't it be ironic if we couldn't find a place to rent while we're here? Well, don't laugh. We didn't exactly bring the local money, either. We might have to get jobs washing dishes before we could land some decent digs. At least there's a chance we'll get free food. I see that actually renting a place carries its own challenges. Jerry Glenn will now tell us her experience with a 1953 one-room apartment. Me and my family moved to the city We looked for a nice place to live We begged our landlord, but oh, what a pity A one-room apartment was all they could give One-room apartment so crowded and small My sister's nagging and the baby's all squall. A tomcat meowing, a dog with a bone. A one-room apartment, my home sweet home. We took turns sleeping, it wasn't so bad. Take turns eating cause we only have two cups. One chair and a sofa is the only place to sit. When Paul brings home company, Ma just throws a fit. One room apartment so crowded and small. My sister's nagging and the baby's all squall. My tomcat meowing and a dog with a bone. My sister has a boyfriend, but when he comes to call, she sits on the sofa and he stands out in the hall. Someday they'll marry and raise a family in our one-room apartment. They live in harmony. One-room apartment so crowded and small. My sister's nagging and the baby's all squall. A tomcat meowing, a dog with a bone. A one-room apartment, my home sweet 
Gellington and his 1935 orchestra just presented a tone poem they call Harlem Flat Blues, before which we learned about the struggles entailed in cramming everyone into a one-room apartment provided by Jerry Glenn in 1953. And you'll be happy to know that Rex and I scored a gig as dishwashers at the Lexington Sirloin Room. And we'll need some bakshish if we're going to rent a place here on Earth while we conduct our anthropological studies of housing hassles of the humanoid. And we've been asking around if anyone knows of a cheap place to rent. I can show you a place we turned down since neither of us uses tobacco. Benny Goodman and his orchestra will give a 1938 musical description. Here's Smokehouse. Thank you. 
Sweet doghouse is where I'm bound. When I stay out all night, the doghouse is where I'm bound. My wife, she tells me, the doghouse is where I'll be found. I think I'll buy me a collar and a chain ten feet long. Think I'll buy me a collar and a chain ten feet long. So she can lead me around every time I go wrong. I'm in the doghouse now. Wonder when will she let me out? I'm in the doghouse now. Wonder when will she let me out? I'm not going to stop drinking till she put a muzzle on my mouth. Lay on down. Sometimes I believe I'm making a dog of myself. Sometimes I believe I'm making a dog of myself. When I'm in the doghouse, I don't blame nobody else. St. Louis Jimmy with his 1948 Doghouse Blues. Before him, we heard Smokehouse with Benny Goodman and his orchestra in 1938. We are out looking for a place to rent, but we turned down the doghouse since we don't have any marital difficulties. We're not even married. And we turned down the smokehouse since we don't want to smell like chimneys. Not sure how long I can handle sleeping in the spaceship, though. We made a soft landing in some treetops and have to climb back up there when we want to catch some winks. We're here from planet Kingsley X05 to study homelessness and housing insecurity on planet Earth. And now we're looking for a place to live and washing dishes to afford it. Here's something. We're both academics. How about a schoolhouse? Benny Krieger's 1921 orchestra will give a musical description in Schoolhouse Blues.
1924 Carolina Club Orchestra with Charleston Cabin. This was preceded by Schoolhouse Blues in 1921 with Benny Kruger's Orchestra. You are listening to WSHDLP Eastport. This is Round the World. Okay, we're conducting investigations into problems related to housing. In the course of trying to put a roof over our own heads, We've seen some pretty substandard options. Yeah, Rex, some people are living in tents. They're overcrowded in one-room apartments. Yes, Ray, we even saw a pipe city where people are living inside giant sewer pipes. And some of the pipes even had dainty curtains. It doesn't bode well for us finding a decent place. Rex, I think we're down to shack territory. Well, here's a 1927 rickety-rackety shack, Ben Selvin and the Bar Harbor Society Orchestra.
of old shacks from 1927. First Ben Selvin and the Bar Harbor Society Orchestra told us about a rickety rackety shack. Then an ivy-covered shack was described by Jimmy Flynn with the Manhattan Dance Makers. Thanks Rex. And this is Ray. And we're studying earthly housing problems. We're trying to find a place, any place, to rent so we can embed ourselves to do our research. I guess our own experience is going to be part of the findings. Yes, we're down to looking at shacks converted chicken coops, old gas stations, abandoned outbuildings. Our spaceship doesn't have good cross-ventilation. It's starting to smell like old socks. Well, here's an account of a 1938 shack in the back of the hills given by Perry Coma with Ted Weems and his orchestra. palace to me It may be a shack in the back of the hill But it's heaven for Molly and me There's a cute little thing that we bow to back there And he rules like a king from his tiny high chair It's only a shack In the back of the hill But it's more than a palace to me
little thing that we vowed to back there. And he rules like a king from his tiny high chair. It's only a shack in the back of the hill, but it's more than a palace to me. Perry Como with Ted Weems and his 1938 orchestra, A Shack in the Back of the Hills. Then in 1929, Van and Schenk exhibited good expectation management with their assertion that my castle in Spain is a shack in the lane. And we're back at work, washing dishes. Hey, I have some good news! The owner of the Lexington Sirloin Room here where we wash dishes is going on vacation and needs somebody to house at his place. Wow! That's a dream come true. 
The Price is Right, free rent in the swank part of town. Finally, a decent place to type up our research. Let's hear a couple dream house songs in celebration. We'll start with Charles W. Hamp, aka the California Blue Boy, Dream House from 1928. I've got a secret to tell you. No one else must hear It just concerns you and me, dear Come on, cuddle near I've been waiting months to tell you Now my dreams come true It will sure surprise you Listen, dear, please do I have built a dream house, a cozy little dream house. Happiness is there, hiding everywhere you will find. The preacher man is waiting, the folks are congregating. All it needs is your yes. I'll do the rest There's a pretty blue room A cozy bride and groom room And roses round the door You will love it more Every day And though it's Not big enough for you And for me Someday there may be little dream house that I've built for you.
cozy little dream house. Happiness is there, hiding everywhere you will find. Reach a man is waiting, folks are congregating. All it needs is your yes, I'll do the rest. There's a pretty blue room, cozy bride and groom room. Roses round the door, you will love it more every day. And though it's big enough for you and me, someday there may be tea for three in that little dream house that I built for you. A two-story 1928 dream house. We heard first Charles W. Hamp, a.k.a. the California Blue Boy, and he was followed by George Brown with Earl Randolph's orchestra. Dream house. This is Rex. And I'm Ray. It almost seems like we don't need to stay here any longer. We've gotten so much information about housing challenges firsthand. I can hardly type fast enough. We couldn't find a place to live to save our life. And we saw people in tents in sewer pipes, chicken coops and shacks and oodles of people crammed into tiny apartments and folks sleeping under bridges. This will make a great anthropological report of housing conditions on planet Earth. And once the boss gets back from vacation, we'll even experience eviction. It'll be good to get back to the old spaceship and head back to planet Kingsley X05, where we belong. And speaking of home sweet home, we have now the most famous comedian you've probably never heard of from before 1920, Bert Williams. There's no place like home. Recorded during the First World War in 1917. My wife claims that all her folks Come from fighting stop. And now they're paying us an endless visit at our apartment in the mega block. Three brother in law, one sister in law, one mother in law, that's five. And any one of the quintets could just eat just for a little life. They start calling names when they first get up. That's long about 2 p.m. And though I'm strictly neutral, <laughs> makes no difference to them. Our home, home, sweet home. That's where the real war is. About the only piece that I ever see is a piece of the furniture flying towards me. They say there's lots of uh, bloodshed in the land across the phone. But Europe never was so slaughterous as right at my home. 
by the nose that my furniture was going to be munitions for my wife's folks. And I suddenly would have bought some wood softer than what we have, perfumed oats. Uh, now the ostrich and the French can duck in a trench and get out the fine line. But even our $4 Davenport is too small for me to hide behind. My wife's the Pacific. She says, cut it out, or somebody's going to get hurt. And I say, yes, madam, I am with thee. And that somebody's first name is Bert. Ah, home. Sweet home. Hmm, that's where the real war is. I know a submarine can't come up on land, but I get torpedoed to any place I stand. Man's bound to get missed sometimes in Belgium, France, or Rome. But for real sharp shooters with your own bric-a-brac, oh, come on round to my home. Bert Williams in 1917. No place like home. And this draws a curtain on the musical portion of Round the World today. We follow two eminent identical twin anthropologists from planet Kingsley X05 as they traveled to Earth to experience firsthand the uphill battle of finding affordable housing on our blue globe. They witness people living in foundations set in the ground, Quonset huts, sewer pipes, tents, shacks, and abandoned gas stations. You are listening to Round the World. Please visit us at cracklinjane.com. We pause now for station identification. You are listening to WSHDLP Eastport. Welcome to Hour 2 of Round the World with Cracklin Jane. As they journey back to their home planet, Rex and Ray can now relax with a 1948 survey of the housing shortage conducted by Jimmy Durante. The beginning of the show was preempted by President Harry S. Truman, and we've significantly shortened the President's remarks. So let's listen. For this address, we take you to the White House. Good evening. From the White House, you are about to hear an address by President Harry S. Truman, who is speaking on behalf of the opening of the security loan drive. Ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States. My fellow Americans, I'm speaking to you tonight about something that each of us as individuals can do to contribute to the winning of the peace. That is the purchase of United States savings bonds. Every dollar that a family puts into savings bonds now will be a dollar building for the family's security. It will be a dollar fighting against inflation and high prices. It will be a dollar working to win the peace. You have just heard an address by the President of the United States speaking on behalf of the opening of the security loan drive. On behalf of the Rexall Show, I want to tell you, Mr. President, that was a great speech. And believe me, you're the best guest star we've had this year. <laughs> From Hollywood, it's the Jimmy Durante Show. I didn't kiddie, I didn't kiddie, I didn't kiddie. Oh, what a kiddie! Oh, I didn't kiddie.
The Jimmy Durante Show with Peggy Lee, Roy Bargy and his orchestra, the crew chief's quartet, yours truly, Howard Petrie, and back with us tonight, our Victor Moore. And here he is, ladies and gentlemen, Rexall's prescription for a pleasant evening, the one and only Jimmy Durante in person. <laughs> the music. Stop the music. Ladies and gentlemen, I got news that's just bursting to be announced. Well, what is it, Jimmy? Tell me. I'm all ears. Don't be self-conscious, Mr. Petrie. I'm all news. <laughs> Let me tell you about it. I was sitting at my piano the other day, but my mind was ill at ease. They were coming to take it away that afternoon. I was all by myself in a mellow mood, improvising symphonies. My right hand was playing Mozart's minuet, and at the same time, my left hand was playing Have a Banana from Common. At the same time, my mouth was whistling a sextet from Luigi's. And while all this was going on, what do you think my foot was doing? While keeping time, it was cracking walnuts. You see, I had to eat too. Then in the midst of my soliloquy, a strange feeling came over me. Why? Because, ladies and gentlemen, I found it. I found it. The lost caught. That's it. The lost caught. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I found the cord. Go out and find your own cord. <laughs> so let's celebrate. I'm feeling great. I'm the guy that found the lost cord. It hasn't changed. I'll have my name in the Hall of Fame Cause I went and found that lost cause Everyone knows Tchaikovsky wasn't recognized as a genius for 200 years Bach wasn't recognized for 300 years Beethoven wasn't recognized for 400 years I can't wait that long, I've only got two changes of clothes <laughs> So let's celebrate I'm feeling great I'm the guy that found the lost cause Ladies and gentlemen, how I struggled. I waked my brain to the bone. First, I put an A flat with a B minor. Then I put a B minor with an F major. Then I put an F major with a B minor. Then I tried an A and a B and a B and a G and a G and a E and a E and a D and a B and a G and a G and a D and a T and a G and a B and a G. What kind of a piano is this? No apostrophes. People said I was mad. But that didn't discourage me. They said Mozart was mad. They said Puccini was mad. They said Louis was mad. Who's Louis? My uncle, he was mad. <laughs> Soon my efforts bore fruit and I found it. A lost court. Music lovers, do you realize what you're hearing? I'll play it again. What happened to it? That ain't the chord. Neither is that. And neither is that. And neither is that. I've lost the chord, a catastrophe. Lock the doors, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to sit down on the keyboard of this piano until the chord is returned. That's it. The lost chord. Found it. I found it by sitting on the piano keyboard. I'll try it again. Very strange. I usually play by ear. <laughs> so let's celebrate. I'm feeling great. I'm the guy that found the lost chord. Thank you, Mr. Petrie, and your musical agro... Boy, I'm having fun learning how to read. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Petrie, and your musical aggregation, too. I got it. 
And now, ladies and gentlemen, at this time we... Pardon me, is this a soap opera? No, what do you want with a soap opera? I have some candies I'd like to rinse out. <laughs> Why, it's Victor Moore. Victor, this comes as quite a surprise. Don't tell me you do your own washing. Well, I have to, Jimmy. My maid makes so many mistakes. Last week, instead of using a washing machine, she did all my laundry in the mix master. She did your laundry in a mix master? Yeah, I'm wearing the only shorts in town with lemon meringue fringe. You must sit in a dish of ice cream for me some night. I'd like to see how you look a la mode. Now, don't try to sweet-talk me. While I was away last week, you had Dorothy L'Amour on the program. What's she got that I haven't got? Nothing, Victor, but hers is put up in a need of package. <laughs> <laughs> That's one bundle I wouldn't mind paying the wrapping and made little charges on. <laughs> but tell me, how do you spend your little seven-day hiatus? Well, Jimmy, last week I went back to my old love, the circus. Clyde Beatty's Wild Animal Show was in town. I was down there every day. Victor, you're an old circus man? Am I? Why, I knew the hippo when he didn't have a potamus. <laughs> but, Jimmy, you were in that circus show, Jumbo, weren't you? Yeah, and I'll never forget the opening night when the tin man married the fat lady, and for a wedding present, he had her tattooed. Thin man had the fat lady tattooed? Yep, and now he's very happy with her. She gives him shade in the summer, heat in the winter, and moving pictures all year round. <laughs> what a lucky guy. Well, so long, Jimmy. I'll see you later. Victor, where are you going? I want to get there before the prices change. <laughs> but enough of this conversation, which is devasticating at best. I got more pressing matters at hand. And here comes one of the matters I'd like to press. Peggy Lee. In person? Hiya, Peggy. Look who's back with us tonight. My only rival for your affections, Victor Moore. Why, hello, Vicky baby. Hello, darling. Say, don't tell J-I-M-M-Y, but I think you're awful C-U-T-E. Oh, thanks, Peggy. Say, how about a D-A-T-E? Okay, I'll be home at H-A-I'll be S-E-V-E-N. What a sneaky way to keep me out of the conversation. Ah, you know I love you, Jimmy boy. And you can do me a big favor. Do you under, either one of you fellas know where I can find an apartment? Well, to tell you the truth, Peggy, I'm looking for a place myself. We're going to need more room come the first of May. Victor, you mean? Yeah. My police dog is expecting rookies. <laughs> Gosh, it seems like everybody's looking for a place to live. Jimmy, you're a political candidate. Why don't you do something about the housing problem? Peggy, that's a great idea you put in my head, and it's a neat trick I have my hat on. <laughs> but, Peggy, while Victor and I confer on a housing shortage, would you mind singing something pretty, as only you can do? Anything for you, Jimmy boy, anything. <laughs> You turn the tables on me And I'm falling for you 
You turned the tables on me I can't believe that it's true I always thought when you brought The lovely presents you'd bought Why hadn't you brought me more? But now if you'd come I'd welcome anything from The five and the ten cent store You used to call me the top You put me up on a throne You let me fall with a drop coming to me just like the sting of a beast you turn the tables on me you used to call me the top yes you were the top you put me up on a throne you let me fall with a drop how you let me die coming to me just like the sting of a bee you turn the tables on me the tables are turned and oh how I've learned you turn the tables on me Victor, the housing situation in this country is abdominal. Why, it's enough to give you an inferiority duplex. I could correct him, but he might turn out to be right. <laughs> Believe me, Victor, when I straighten out the housing problem, I'm a cinch to be elected. Why, I'll carry the north, I'll carry the south, I'll carry the east. I'll... <laughs> Poor little Connecticut slipped through my fingers. What's your plan, Jimmy? We'll tour the nation and find out how serious this housing problem really is. Is the gang ready, Peggy? Ready and waiting, Jimmy. Okay, Victor, grab my shirt. Thereby hangs a tail. Let's go! Any state in the 48 is great. The 48 is great and any state is a reason we should celebrate. We ought to celebrate and use your invitation to cover the nation to see about the problem of housing. We've arranged a tour with Durantian Moore. Let's do a little carousing. We have a magic carpet to take this trip. We pull a string and away we rip. Hey, where'd you get this magic carpet anyway, Jimmy? It used to be the rug in a nightclub. Well, how come there's so many holes in it? That's for people who wanted to see the floor show. <laughs> I got a million of them, a million of them. And 
any state in the 48 is great. Then we're coming into one of our great cities. It looks awfully familiar. I recognize it. It's Pennsylvania City of brotherly love. Philadelphia. Where history was given a pretty good shove. Philadelphia. For seeing sight, the city is well. Independence Hall and the Liberty Bell. It's really quite tough to say half enough about Philadelphia. There it is, boys. Go on down and see how the housing situation is in Philadelphia. Ah, Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. Relax, boys. It's hot breath hoolahan. That's the chili sauce she just barbecued my pigskin wallet. <laughs> What are you doing here, hot breath? I belong here. In the city of brotherly love? Yeah. When it comes to love. Oh, brother. <laughs> if I only had a brother like this. <laughs> Say, uh, you're kind of cute, loverless. <laughs> it gets around. It gets around. <laughs> Uh, I had that line last week, but... Uh... Well, that's enough. Now, that's enough, Victor. Well, look, Miss Houlihan, as part of my campaign, we're investigating the housing shortage. Tell me, has it affected you? Not a bit. I'm very happy with my home. I have a beautiful trailer. The part you pull it around with ain't bad either. <laughs> but isn't a trailer inconvenient? In the wintertime, what do you do for heat? With me, that's no problem. I'm the last of the red-hot mamas. How come you lasted longer than the rest of them? I, uh, kept my pilot life going. Ouch! <laughs> Any state in the 48 is great. Do you know where we are now, Victor? I see an awful lot of automobiles. Let's elucidate. It's Detroit in Michigan. And you can see it's full of action, full of industry. They wait day and night to keep the nation supplied with automobiles that they can ride. The city is busy. The face is dizzy. The wheels are going. The factory whistles blowing. In Detroit. Situation is like in the motor capital. Ah, Detroit, the home of the automobile typhoons. Say, <laughs> yeah, that's right, Jimmy. Yeah, while we're here, why don't you pick up a new car? I got a new car. It's a 1947 push button convertible. What a car. You push a button, the top stays where it is, but the bottom falls out. <laughs> well, let's talk to this used car dealer. Maybe he knows where there's a housing development. Pardon me, sir. I take it you're the owner of this used car lot. My name is Jimmy Durante, and standing here besides me is... Uh, uh, a Stanley Steamer with the oversized trunk rack. <laughs> I'll give you $40 for it. <laughs> And I'm no Stanley Steamer. I haven't been able to get any steam up in 20 years. Listen, sir, you're laboring under a misapprehension. We're here making a survey on the housing problem. Oh, don't talk to me about houses. 
Don't talk to me about houses. How can I afford a house with automobile prices the way they are today? This afternoon, I sold a 1912 Maxwell, and all I got for it was $6,000. Now, wait a minute. Pull yourself together. Oh, you don't know what I've been through. I have to live here on this lot in a 12-room trailer. Oh, it's horrible, horrible. There's no room. No room? No room for my money. I don't know what I'm going to do. Turn off your ignition before you burn out your battery. But you don't know what it's like to be a used car dealer. Nobody loves me. Why, yesterday, two of my own skywriters went up and they wrote, We hate you. Please, please, get your head off of my shoulder. You're shrinking my suit. And look at this trailer that I've got to live in. What a mess. What a mess. I don't like the den. I don't like the library. I don't even like the ballroom. Well, uh, why don't you get your wife to clean it up? I don't like her either. If you don't like your wife, why don't you get rid of her? I'd like to, I'd like to, but nobody will give me a trade-in. Well, I'm sure the government will take a hand in such a worthy housing problem. Tell me, sir, what is your name? You, you just tell them, you just tell them that you were talking to the smiling Irishman. Thank you, Billy Vine. Thanks, Billy. And the state in the 48 is great. Billy, the carpet is moving fast. Yeah, we seem to be heading farther away from everything. We're going to a very far off land to meet some very interesting characters. We're going out of this world Right into fairyland Out of this world and it's grand In the land of Mother Goose and the little boy Blue And the little old lady who lived in the shoe Jack the Giant Killer was really a man And then there's old Mother Hubbard and Peter Pan We're out of this world Get a crush on you. The situation must be crowded, Victor, when people have to come to Fairyland to find a place to live. Yeah, Jimmy, but this is interesting. Look, there's old Mother Hubbard. Hiya, Mother Hubbard. Ah, oh, my cupboard is bare, my house is bare, everything is bare, 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 bare. What is this Fairyland of the Naked City? <laughs> Look, Victor, here's a real housing shortage problem. Pardon me, madam. Are you the woman who lives in a shoe? With 97 children and a broken-down moccasin, do I look like queen for a day? Just you and the 37 children? Where's your husband? I had to divorce him. He wanted to settle down and raise a family. Well, you seem very comfortable living here in your shoe. But how did you get up to the second floor? Didn't you notice, Jimmy, it's an elevator shoe? <laughs> ah, my boy is greater than shoe jokes. At Oxford, he was voted the student most likely to develop fallen arches. <laughs> but look, madam, this is an awful big shoe. How do you pay the rent? I like. I do Governor Dewey's laundry. You do Governor Dewey's laundry? Certainly. I'm the one who took the starch out of him in Wisconsin. 
Take me home, Mr. Moore. Any state in the 48 is free. Philadelphia. Detroit. You can travel north, south, east, or west. Be happy if you got a place to build your nest. It's great. Wonderful. Marvelous. Stupendous. Any state in the 48 is great. This program was produced and directed by Phil Cohan. Good night, Mrs. Calabash, wherever you are. You are listening to WSHDLP Eastport. We have just heard a 1948 episode of the Jimmy Durante Show dealing with the housing shortage. Now, stay tuned for a 1951 episode of the radio version of Dragnet, The Big Bungalow. The story you are about to hear is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. You're a detective sergeant. You're assigned to burglary detail. One of your informants contacts you by telephone. He says he wants to see you immediately. He claims knowledge of more than two dozen burglaries committed in your city. He offers the information despite threats against his own life. Your job, investigate. Dragnet, the documented drama of an actual crime. For the next 30 minutes, in cooperation with the Los Angeles Police Department, you will travel step by step on the side of the law through an actual case transcribed from official police files. From beginning to end, from crime to punishment, Dragnet is the story of your police force in action. It was Monday, April 16th. It was foggy in Los Angeles. We were working the day watch out of burglary detail. My partner's Ben Romero. The boss is Captain Wisdom. My name's Friday. We were on the way out from the office, and it was 1.38 p.m. when we got to the corner of North Main and Sotelo Street. Johnny Coken's Cafe. Pretty well filled up. You want to sit at the counter? No, there's a booth over there in the corner. People just leaving. Oh, yeah. Didn't see it. This all right, isn't it? Yeah, fine. Oh, it smells good. I wonder what the special is today. Well, it's up there on the blackboard. Oh, yeah. Enchilada with cheese, coleslaw, salad. Well, it does smell pretty good, doesn't it? Wish I hadn't had lunch. I should have waited. I keep forgetting Monday's enchilada day down here. Sure like the way Johnny fixes it. Hello, Friday. Ben, how are you? Bye, Roberta. Yeah, get these dirty dishes out of the way. Okay, fine. Is it going to be the special? No, we forgot today was Monday. We had lunch already. Mm, too bad. What'll it be? Just coffee? Yeah, it's fine. Friday? Yeah, same for me, Roberta. Both of them black, I guess. Okay, two blacks. Say, so you haven't seen Smalley around this afternoon, have you, Roberta? Red Smalley? Red? No, I haven't seen him for a couple of days. Okay. Thought he said to meet him here at 1.30. Well, he'll be along. He's never been on time as long as I've known him. Yeah, I wonder what's eating him. He sounded a little excited on the phone. Did he give you any idea what it was all about? No, just said it was important. Had to see it. Hey, I just thinking, maybe I could handle one of those enchiladas after all. Yeah, there's Red. Oh, all right, fellas. Hope I ain't late. All, all right. right. Been a long time, yeah, huh? Yeah, sit down, Red. Good to see you. Yeah, thanks. What's new with you, anyway? Oh, not too much. How's it with you? 
Here you are. Two coffees black. How are you, Red? Hungry. What about a hamburger steak, huh? Some coffee, too? Hamburger steak and coffee, right. You're looking pretty fair shape, Red. You working steady now? Well, you know how it goes. On again, off again. Put in a full month playing bar boy at Ziggy's joint place down in South Main, you know? Mm-hmm. What happened there? Business fell off, and Ziggy said he had to let me go. Been kind of thin ever since. I'm hustling programs out of the racetrack right now. It's not too bad. Can't afford to bet, but I get to see the races free. You can't have everything, I guess. I understand you're a little worried about something, Red. Anything serious? Well, yeah, it might be. My guy's telling Romero on the phone. Wouldn't do me no good if it got out. I mean, me talking to you about it, you know. He'd probably tie a can on my tail if he knew I told you. Who's that? Guy by the name of Jeff Allen. You know him? No, it doesn't sound familiar to me. Ben? Me neither. Who is he, Red? Second story worker. Lots of savvy, too. He's fell a couple of times on burglary raps. Knows his business, so got a lot of moxie. How long has he been in town, you know? Well, about six months, I think. Come from the east, finished the stretch back in Michigan. He's a real pro. Uh huh. What's he doing out here, Red? Well, matter of fact, that's why I want to talk to you about. Figured maybe you ought to know. Yeah. He's doing real good, the way I get it. I heard him and a couple other guys talking about it one night down at Ziggy's. They were having a couple of beers. I guess they didn't think I could hear him. What'd they have to say? This guy, Allen, was running off about how good he was doing, how many places he knocked over in the last couple of months, how much stuff he took. And what's he look like, Red? Oh, pretty average, about my height, dark hair, little scar right here on his chin. Mm -hmm. About 160, 70 maybe, 36 years old, usually wears leather jacket and a black one. All right, Red, here you go, burger steak, coffee. Yeah, yeah fine. Sure got a good appetite these days, working out in the air, you know, it does you good. Yeah. Yeah. I'll show you I'm passing that ball of ketchup, Sergeant. Oh, yeah. Here you go. Good. These burglary jobs Alan's supposed to be pulling red, where's he working them, do you know that? Well, no, I guess they don't. All over town, I suppose. Sure good hamburger. When you overheard him talking to his friends, did he mention any jobs in particular that he pulled? No, but he's working hard, I know that for a fact. He pulls a new one every week or so, the way I get it. And what about his M.O., Red? Uh, regular second-story routine. He uses a jimmy or a small pinch bar. He usually goes through a window. Does he work alone? Uh-huh, strictly. His French bread's nice and fresh. Yeah. Where's Alan staying in town, do you know, Red? No, I don't. I know where I can find him, though. The 1322 Club out on North Paris. He hangs out there quite a bit almost every night. I think the guy who owns the joint's a friend of his. Jeff Allen. Is that supposed to be his right name, Red? As far as I know, uh-huh. I only met him a couple of times. He hung around Ziggy's place when he first come to town. Of course, I didn't know what he was up to then. Do you know him well enough to talk to him? Well, just about, yeah. I'm not buddies with him or anything. That's why I don't want it to get out, you know. If he gets the word I'm on your team, I'm a dead duck. I don't think he wastes a minute killing me. You don't have to worry, Red. We'll keep it quiet. Well, did you hear anything else? Or is that just about the size of it? No, that's just about it, fellas. I'll keep near the ground. If I get any more rumbles, I'll pass it on. Well, I guess you know I really hate to talk about it. What's that, Red? Well, I mean how bad things have been running lately, you know, since I got laid off of Ziggy's. Uh-huh. I hustle like mad with the programs down the track. Doesn't bring in a whole lot, though. And a lousy landlady had to raise my rent last week. Mm-hmm. Well, how much can you use, Red? Well, you know, as far as anything at all, just a little loan, maybe something to help me hold on. Well, the 
Only thing I have is a 20, Joe. You got any change? Uh, thanks, Ron. May I try and be fine? That's plenty. I sure appreciate that. Oh, yeah. Well, real good hamburger steak Johnny puts out. I got to get going, fellas. Got to be down the track. All right, Red. Thanks a lot. If there's anything else, call us, huh? You got our number. Sure thing. I'll stay right on. Mm-hmm. You want me for anything, holler, huh? I'm still the same place. Right. Thanks a lot, huh? I'll see you later. Yeah. Take it easy, Red. Yeah. Bye, Red. Hmm. He's getting a little expensive, huh? He's probably been having a rough time, but he looked hungry to me. Sure did. Grab that $20 bill like his life depended on him. I went to buy some new wool socks with that. Well, I'll split it with you. Be worth more than 20 bucks if the tip pays off. Now, don't get me wrong. I didn't mind giving him the 20 bucks. It's worth it, but look at this here. Oh, you got to check for the food, huh? Yeah, I think the least he could have done was pay for his own lunch. By and large, the character of the informant in fact or fiction isn't generally regarded with too much sympathy. To most people, the informant's nothing more than a stool pigeon, a squealer, somebody who, by the very act of informing, commits a sin against a supposedly popular unwritten law. Well, it's obvious that this isn't always so, because in the interests of law enforcement and justice, which means the betterment of the community, the informant very often plays a major role. Year after year, informants are responsible for the apprehension and conviction of many hundreds of criminals, people who rob and cheat and commit murder, crimes that are obviously far deadlier than informing. As for the mechanics of law enforcement at the level of the working detective, the informant is considered virtually indispensable. It's been said before by peace officers, and it'll probably be said again quite a few times. If your job is catching criminals and enforcing the law, this is the first rule you have to learn. The working detective is no better than his informants. 2.12 p.m. Ben and I had no idea if the information we'd gotten from Red Smalley was authentic or not, but it had to be checked out. We went back to the office and had Frank Cunningham and R&I check on Jeff Allen. We also had the stats office make a run for us on suspects with similar M.O.s. Then we started to page through reports of burglaries which had occurred throughout the city during the past three months. Hmm, no... Mm-mm. How you doing over there? Anything at all? Not too much. Wait a minute, maybe. This might be one of them. Here, let me see. Home in Hollenbeck Park neighborhood. Burglar's M.O. matches out in a time element, too. Happened six weeks ago. Window on the second floor of the house was pried open. They took furs and money, $23. Uh-huh. That's the only one you found? Another one here I took out a minute ago. M.O.'s pretty much the same on this one, too. Only thing different is the night of the week it happened on. This one's a Thursday. That one there's a Sunday. Yeah, it checks out pretty close otherwise. The only one thing I can't figure. What's that? Well, Alan's supposed to have been in the city for at least six months. According to Red, he's working a job maybe once a week, once every ten days or so. Now, you got two reports there that matches M.O. here. I picked out two more from that other pile. Seems to me if he's been working the town for a couple of months, there ought to be more than four reports on him, shouldn't there? I got Burglar and Merrill. Oh, yeah, Frank. Mm-hmm, Jeff Allen. That so? Oh, you have, huh? Okay, right, Frank. Thank you. Yeah? R and I got a make on Allen. He's had one arrest here four years ago on a vag charge. He's a loser out of Michigan. Fell for burglary. Never been picked up for burglary here, though. He isn't registered. And that's all, huh? That's it. Doesn't seem to gel right to me, does it to you? Not a loose ends to figure out. I wonder if Red was handing us a line on this thing. Why would he? Well, maybe he needed that $20 touch. Maybe this Jeff Allen's an old pal of his. Red had a falling out with him. He wants to get even with him, I suppose. It's possible, I guess. I don't know. Hi, Joe. Ben? Oh, hello, Tabor, what do you say? 
What's with you? You still on that stakeout south end of town? Yeah, third week. Sure getting dull. You two look busy. What's all this? Oh, we got a tip on some prowl artist trying to get a line on him. Take a look at this 3.1, will you, Jim? You run into any jobs recently that stack up like this in here? I see. We're shooting in the dark on it so far. I don't know if we got anything or not. I'd say you got it. Burglary report in 77 Division this morning. Happened to check it when I was out there. Same M.O. as this? Same everything. 4.55 p.m. Ben and I went down the hall to the record bureau and picked up a couple of mug shots of the suspect, Jefferson Allen. Then we drove out to the 1322 Club on North Ferris Avenue in the Silver Lake District, the neighborhood bar where Allen spent most of his time, according to our informant, Red Smalley. We staked out in the car down the street where we could keep an eye on the front door to the bar and still not look suspicious. Between 5 and 7.30 p.m., we watched at least two dozen customers entering or leaving the bar, but none of them came close to Allen's description. 8 p.m., nothing. By the time we were relieved on stakeout at 11 p.m., Allen still had failed to show. Late the following afternoon, we were back at the same spot, watching for a sign of the suspect. 6.48 p.m. This is the Los Angeles. 118, Spring. 118, Spring. Hey, have a look, Joe. Gray hat, dark suit. Just came out of the bar. Yeah, he's coming this way. Yeah, I'll buy it. That's him. Getting in that blue sedan. All right, don't press him. Let's give him a good lead. Right. He's getting in. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Joe? Let's wait a minute. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay, we're clear. All right. You got him spotted? Yeah, no trouble. That's a funny one, huh? Wonder why we didn't see him go in the bar. I don't know. Might be a delivery entrance in the back of the place we could have missed. Can you make out that license number? Can you pull out just a little? That's good. Yeah, let's see. 7 Tom 7 972. I better check it. 80K to Control 1. 80K to Control 1. Control 1 to 80K. Go ahead. Control 1, request rolling make and DMV on 7 Tom 7 972. That's 7 Tom 7 972. Control 1 to 80K, Roger. Stand by, KMA 367. Doesn't seem to be in any great hurry. Barely poking along. Where is he now? I can't see. Just turn right on to Bronson. I want to give him plenty of lead. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's him up ahead there. He's picking up speed, now don't lose him. Right. Control 1 to 80K. Control 1 to 8OK. Come in, please. Here we go. 80K to Control 1. Go ahead. 7 Tom 7972. The car is registered to D. Denver, J. John Carpenter, 1322 North Ferris Avenue, Los Angeles. 80K to Control 1. Roger. KMA 367. Carpenter. Same guy owns a bar, isn't it? His Allen must know him pretty well. Well enough to use his car. Wonder what the pitch is there. You checked on Carpenter, didn't you? Yeah, clean bill of health, no record. Yeah, up ahead there. Now he's slowing down. Yeah. Turning up on that driveway. Pull up under that tree there, huh? Right. Yeah, that's fine. See him? Uh-huh. Getting out. Going into that bungalow over there. Letting himself in the front door. No sign of anybody else there, huh? No. House was dark when we drove up, wasn't it? He couldn't be living there alone. He might be. Doesn't make much sense to me. Why would a single guy get himself a house that big? Let's wait it out. Maybe he'll come up with the answer. 9.15 p.m. We continued our stakeout on the bungalow on South Bronson Avenue. A little more than an hour passed when we saw the lights go out in the house. The suspect, Jeff Allen, came out the front door, locked up, got in his car, and drove off. Ben and I followed him. 
He drove directly to the bar on North Ferris Avenue, the 1322 Club. He parked his car and went inside. Ben and I drove back to the cottage on South Bronson and let ourselves in through the back door. A preliminary check of the house failed to give us any real proof that Alan was the suspect we wanted. The only possible lead we came up with was an expensive hunting rifle, which we found stored away in one of the closets. We copied down the serial number on the gun, drove to a neighborhood cigar store, called the office, and asked him to check out the number for us. Yeah, all right, Murph. We'll wait for the call. Yeah, thanks. How'd you do? I'm gonna check it through now. They'll call us. Good. I'm a little hungry, aren't you? Would you like candy bar? No, I'm getting a little tired of them. I wouldn't mind a square meal, though. My back's killing me. Never been so sore in my life. Why, what's the matter? Did you fall? No, nothing like that. It's my snoring again. You're snoring? What's that got to do with it? Almost broke my back. It was a wife's idea. She claims when I'm sleeping, I roll over on my back and snore, says it keeps her awake all night. Well, there's not much you can do about it, is there? Yeah, the wife thought of something. Supposed to be an old home remedy. She sewed a couple of golf balls right into the back of my pajamas. You get the idea behind it? If you roll over on your back, the golf balls dig into you and you have to roll over on your side again. Mm-hmm. Well, so what happened to you? Well, I'm a sound sleeper. Rolled over on my back and stayed there. Slept on those golf balls all night. Woke up in the morning and liked to have died. Felt like I'd snapped a couple of vertebrae. Yeah, must be an easier way to keep you from sleeping on your back. Well, it wouldn't do any good anyhow, Joe. It just won't work. What do you mean? I snore just as loud sleeping on my side. I get it. Hello? Yeah, Murph, this is Joe Friday. Mm-hmm. W615344. Yeah, that checks. That was a serial number on it. When was that? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, okay, Murph, thanks. Bye. I think maybe we got a break. Yeah? They got a make on the gun we found. Is it registered to Allen? No, it was taken in a burglary two months ago. You are listening to Dragnet, authentic stories of your police force in action. Tuesday night, April 17th, 10.38 p.m. We got additional information from the office on the hunting rifle that we'd found in the bungalow to which we'd trailed the suspect, Jefferson Allen, a few hours earlier. The gun was registered to a Mr. Robert LaSalle, 3008 Bush Street. The rifle, along with $300 in jewelry and $48 in cash, had been taken from LaSalle's home two months before during his family's absence. The burglar's method of operation matched Allen's alleged M.O. exactly. 10.45 p.m. After arranging for a stakeout to be placed on the bungalow on Bronson Avenue, Ben and I drove to the 1322 Club on North Ferris where we located the suspect, Jeff Allen. Yes, sir, that's correct, Sergeant. I'm from back in Michigan originally. Been out here about six months now. Think I'm gonna like it. Sure can't beat this weather, huh? You've been working here at the bar ever since you got in town, is that right? No, not quite. I've been here for about four months. Kind of a handyman job. I help the bartender when I can, keep the storeroom in order, see everything ship-shape, you know. Uh-huh. You ever been in Los Angeles before, Alan? Yeah, just once before, a couple of years ago. It wasn't so good then. Jobs were hard to get. I ran into a little bit of trouble. Finally went back east again. I see. What was this trouble you had? Well, as I say, jobs were pretty hard to come by then. I kept checking around, but I couldn't find anything. It wasn't so good. I finally got picked up on a bag charge. Mm-hmm. Spent a couple of weeks at the county. When I got out, I figured the best thing was to head back east again. A lot better this time, though. I'm doing okay. See, I couldn't get you anything. Huh? No, no thank you. thanks. Just the same. 
There's something maybe you'd like to talk to me about? Anything I can help you with? It's a routine checkup we're on. Got a few more questions for you, if you don't mind. Sure. Uh, let's take one of these booths back here, huh? Might as well be comfortable. Yeah, okay. Go ahead. You sure I couldn't get you anything? A bottle of beer, Coke, maybe? No, no, no thanks. You have your family out here with you, Alan, your wife? No, I'm not married, Sergeant. I haven't taken the plunge yet. Figure there's plenty of time for that. It's hard enough to keep myself going these days, let alone a family. Yeah, I know what you mean. You ever been arrested before, Alan? I mean, other than that vag charge you mentioned, you ever served any big time? Yeah, matter of fact, I have back in Michigan. Pretty dumb trick. I got in trouble as a kid. Burglary. Served all my time, though. I don't owe him a day. I'm washed up with that stuff a long time ago. It just doesn't pay, that's all. Uh-huh. Then that last time there was any trouble was that vag charge. Is that it? Yes, sir. That's it. As I say, I'm all washed up with that stuff. It doesn't pay off at all. I got wise to that. Mm-hmm. Glad to hear it, Alan. You figure you're going to stay on here, then. Make this your permanent home. Yeah, I think I might. I sure like the weather. Job suits me, too. Boss even lets me use his car once in a while. Pretty nice, huh? Yeah, huh? Where are you living now? You got an apartment in the neighborhood here? Yeah, I got an apartment. Nice little place. Not exactly in the neighborhood, though. It's out in West Hollywood, right on a bus line. No trouble getting into work. Just a small apartment. Whereabouts in West Hollywood? You mind giving us the address? No, it's on Norwich Avenue. Why do you ask? It's part of this routine check we have to make. You mind very much if we drive out there with you and look the place over? No, I don't mind. I mean, if you figure I need checking out, I'd just as soon clear it up now. I got nothing to hide. You want me to get my coat? No, that's all right. Say, uh... I should be back here in an hour or so. What do you think? I mean, it's just a routine check. It won't take long, will it? No, not too long. I suppose you can figure that better than we can. How do you mean? You said you had nothing to hide. 11.20 p.m. We drove the suspect, Jeff Allen, to his apartment on Norwich Avenue. It was more than two and a half miles from the bungalow on South Bronson, where we'd followed Allen earlier that night and where we'd located the stolen hunting rifle. While Ben and I made a thorough check of the apartment, Allen sat relaxed in an easy chair. Ben and I covered everything in the apartment, but there was no evidence of any loot taken in the burglaries. That's about it, Joe. Checked everything. Okay. That's about it, huh, Sergeant? You fellas want a beer before we go back to the club? Uh, just one or two more questions, Alan, and I think we can wash this thing up. Sure, Sergeant. Do you rent some other place in town? Another house or an apartment, maybe? Another place? No. Why would I do that? This is my apartment. This is where I live. Why do you ask that? About 6 o'clock tonight, you were seen going into a bungalow over on South Bronson, the same neighborhood as the club where you work. We got a pretty good idea that there's quite a bit of loot from burglary stored in that house. I don't follow you, Sergeant. I don't know what you mean. I don't live on South Bronson. I live here. You ought to be able to tell that. You were seen going into the bungalow, Alan, about five minutes past six tonight. We found a stolen hunting rifle in the house. It was taken in a burglary. You think you want to tell us about it? No, I can't tell you anything about it. I don't have any bungalow on South Bronson. I'm not even sure I can tell you where the street is. Well, you better get your hat, mister. We'll show you. 11.48 p.m. We got in the car and started driving down Beverly Boulevard back toward the bungalow on South Bronson Avenue. When we got to the bungalow, the suspect still refused to admit that he had a key to the door or that he was in any way concerned with the place. We had him empty his pockets, and among his possessions, we found a ring of keys... We tried them on the front door of the bungalow. The fourth one we tried opened it. We went inside. Alan still would admit nothing. Ben contacted the landlady next door, and she said she'd be right over. I continued questioning him while Ben checked through the house again. Hey, Joe. Huh? Joe, you want to come back here? I think we've got something. Yeah, all right, Ben. You want to go ahead back there, Alan? Sure, okay. Still can't tell you what the score is, though. I don't belong in this place. It ain't mine. 
Well, that key you had seemed to fit the front door all right. How do you figure that? That doesn't mean anything. I had that key for years. I think it's a skeleton key. Opens almost any kind of lock. Down here, Joe. Small basement here. Leads right down off the kitchen. Yeah, all right. Go ahead, Alan. Hmm. Have a look, Joe. Line of cupboards all the way around here. Check them for yourself. Yeah, all right. It's a pretty good haul. Furs, machinist tools. Jewelry. Quite a bit of it here. A couple of radios. Two more hunting rifles. Come on, how about it, Alan? You want to save time for all of us now? You got it wrong, Sergeant. This isn't my place, I told you. When I got out of that trouble back east, I made up my mind I was all washed up with this kind of stuff. This house isn't mine. I haven't got anything to do with it. You're kidding yourself, Alan. You know that. No, you got it all wrong. You got it all mixed up. Well, we'll let the landlady tell us. Hmm? The woman who owns this house, she's on her way over from next door. She ought to be able to tell us who she rented the place to. Wouldn't you say so? Wouldn't you? She might be wrong. It's possible. No, look, we got you dead to rights, mister. Why not face it? Can't. I won't do it. I made up my mind the last time. It wouldn't happen again. I was all washed up with it. I won't go through it again. They'll send me back. I won't be able to take it. Maybe you should have figured that before you started in. I didn't mean to. I was all washed up with that stuff. I told you that the first time I saw you, didn't I? Yeah. I'm sure of it, too. I wouldn't try it again. Didn't pay. It's just what I told you. I'm all through with it. I'm washed up with it. I never lied to you, did I? What's the difference? Huh? You lied to yourself. The story you have just heard was true. The names were changed to protect the innocent. On July 6th, trial was held in Superior Court, Department 86, City and County of Los Angeles, State of California. In a moment, the results of that trial. The apprehension of the suspect, Jefferson Harold Allen, resulted in clearing 22 cases of burglaries committed over the past four months. Allen was indicted on 22 counts of first-degree burglary and received sentence as prescribed by law. First-degree burglary is punishable by imprisonment in the state penitentiary for not less than five years. You have just heard Dragnet a series of authentic cases from official files. Technical advice comes from the office of Chief of Police, W.H. Parker, Los Angeles Police Department. You are listening to WSHDLP Eastport. We have just heard a 1951 episode of the radio version of Dragnet, The Big Bungalow.
heard Count Basie and his 1947 orchestra in House Rent Boogie, which was preceded by the 1925 Home Sweet Home Blues, featuring Charles Fulker and his orchestra. And we laid the foundation of our bonus set with House Hop, Benny Goodman and his orchestra in 1936. Thank you, dear friends. This concludes today's show. On behalf of Around the World's staff of researchers, recording engineers, interns, and Victrola technicians, this is Cracklin' Jane. Thank you, and see you next week! for Jazz Potpourri, airing Wednesdays from 2.30 to 4.30 p.m., with a repeat on Saturdays from 4 to 6 p.m. From divas to crooners, from the streets of New Orleans to the clubs of Paris, with a little Latin added for spice, Jazz Potpourri is an auditory mix for your listening pleasure. Join me Wednesdays and Saturdays on 93.3 FM, WSHD LP, Eastport. Hey, have I got a radio show for you. Old Coasting comes at you twice a week. Thursday at 8, Sunday at 4. Right here on WSHDLP in Eastport, Maine, 93.3 FM. On Bold Coasting, we don't just play the music. Uh, we like to talk about it a little bit, too. It's music and commentary. It's a radio show with liner notes. Your kids can ask your parents what that means. Every Saturday night at 7 and again on Tuesdays at 8 for Philly Joe Remarkable's Mad Pad right here on WSHDLP Eastport, Maine, 93.3 on your FM dial. Man, take this crazy pad. Man, it's a mad pad. Listening to WSHDLP Eastport, broadcasting from the hallowed hallways of Shed High School. Tune in Mondays 4 to 6 p.m. for Around the World with your host, Cracklin' Jane, featuring historical 78 RPM recordings from around the world, plus radio dramas from the golden age of radio. If you missed the show, don't despair. There's a repeat broadcast on Fridays, 6 to 8 p.m., and if you miss that, just go to www.cracklinjane.com and download or stream the show at your leisure. Come on by Sam's Caffeine Cafe every Tuesday and Thursday morning from 8 until 10 a.m. I'm Sam, the proprietor. I keep all the tables clean. There are no sesame seeds on the floor, no schmutz from the night before, just good music. The first hour, a little bit softer, some Americana, folk, blues, a little bit of jazz, 
but by 9 o'clock, we are amped up on caffeine. We're playing up-tempo music all hour long. It's a grab bag. It's a fun place to hang out, and we would love to have you. We would. Please come by 93.3 WSHDLP Eastport. Hi, this is Craig Williams. I've been collecting music first on 45s, then LPs, cassettes, CDs, and digital files for over 40 years. From the obscure to the sublime and the familiar to the mundane, it's pretty much all pop music of just about any era or genre. And I call sharing it with you unabashedly playing favorites. Please tune in every Friday from 1 to 2 p.m. right here on WSHD LP Eastport 93.3 FM. 